right, good morning, everybody. Today is Friday, August 12th. This is episode 174 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 30 minutes, but really 60 minutes, we will be going through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I will be providing my opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, what you need to know about that, because it's definitely going to equip you, give you context, and help you crush the interview. So there's a lot of value here, regardless of where you are on your career journey. Good morning, everybody. Shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor. Let me let me bring up their plate, their card here. Let me, so guys, you know, <laughs> operating in Vegas, the show's operating at 65% capacity, but I think I've dialed in the process here as best I can. Shout out and thanks. Hold on, you definitely see it right now. Shout out and thanks to the stream sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Definitely appreciate what they're doing. Got to read my card here. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and, more importantly, get your business back on track. Thank you to Eric Taylor and the whole gang over there for sponsoring the morning threat briefing. Now, I want to remind everybody, if you hold certifications like SISP, SISA, SISM, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, even at 65% capacity or 65% delivery, is worth half a CPE because the knowledge and and, uh, information is here, this industry information. So be sure to say what's up in chat. If you're watching on replay, be sure to leave a comment because essentially you're going to Uh, push out a forensically sound piece of auditable evidence that will let any auditor know that yes in fact you were here and you can stack it so two and a half CPEs a week 10 CPEs on average a month definitely want to get credit for these CPEs um, because honestly unless you want your certification to um, to lapse basically unless if you're ready for that in your career They'll, they'll come after you if you don't do your CPEs and pay your management fee, obviously, right? Mm. So good. If you are watching live, it looks like there's 60 of us now um, coming across on multiple channels. Thank you so much for being here. It's the final day of the Black Hat DEF CON week as far as daily cyber threat briefings go. Obviously, I don't do them on the weekends. Guys, uh, totally, totally loving it. Have been loving the vibe, loving the energy from all of you. Thank you so much for being here. If you are watching on replay, be sure to leave a comment. You can use hashtag Deem Replay. That's quite a popular option. Um, and just kind of, you know, basically say what's up. I, I, as much as the show is operating at 65% capacity, it is 5 a.m. local time. I did get to bed really late um, attending a... What what was called the Beer Isaac event last night. Good knowledge sharing, but obviously there was a underpinning thread that was uh, common with it, that being uh, beer or alcohol. But I'm feeling all right. So if you are watching on replay, again, thank you for watching. But you, my friend, have the ability to time travel into the future. Whether you're listening on the audio podcast of choice, which you can listen to the threat briefings on the audio podcast. So don't think you have to commit to LinkedIn Live or the YouTube stream. You can jump forward, right? You can hit 30 second plus, doot, doot, doot. And here you go. You are listening to the news. If you are 
uh, watching on YouTube, you can grab the slider and slide to the right. If you're watching on LinkedIn Live, that's awesome. You might want to come over to the YouTube side because um, you, you it's a richer experience for you over here with the chat and with the ability to leave comments and stuff like that and engage. Either way, for the next, I would say, I usually say 90 seconds, but I'm thinking closer to 180 seconds. I'm going to be sipping my coffee. I'm going to be saying what's up to people in chat. I'm feeling super great um, about being able to deliver the threat briefing every morning, even when I came out to Vegas. So without further ado, let me get my coffee and let me say good morning to everybody. Hey, Mark Schrader. Good to see you. Oh, thank you so much, Mark Schrader, for, for the kind words. Fraud Dog Alfredo, good to see you. Usha, how you doing? Joel Belton, my friend Brent Garee and Emerson in the house. I love seeing you guys. Uh, Matt Mears, if you made it, good for you. Sasha, good to see you. Hey, Amadou, Ed Williams, my man. Guys, um, let me let me say this really quick before we, we get into it. I got a couple things here. One, uh, I did the Tread Micro Talk on Wednesday, and that thing was kind of a mess the way that um, they had some technical difficulties. The... They, they, we went offline and filmed the second half of the video. I have that content. The mic works good. Everything works good. I can't really publish it while I'm here because I need to be back in my studio. But I'm going to be publishing essentially as a produced video on the Simply Cyber channel the second half of that talk. I think personally it was a really interesting talk. We covered a lot of really um, deep con uh, concepts around privacy, regulation, big tech, um, metaverse impersonation, all, all these things. Anyway, so if you're interested in that metaverse talk, I will be releasing it uh, in a good format when I get back. World Cyber Games, I was over there at the HyperX um, event area. You guys saw it. It was streaming on Simply Cyber. I agreed to do that uh, with Jess Gulick, who uh, runs the, the World Cyber Games event. Um, you guys saw Neil from Cyber Insecurity and Eric Bellardo from Raices uh, doing their analysis and stuff like that. That was a lot of fun. I was over there. It was really cool. Um, guys, I'm wicked, wicked excited about this. Check out what I got yesterday. If you guys know what this is, you know what this is. This is Kevin Mitnick's business card. So it's got his contact information, but it's also a lockpick kit, uh, right? It's a portable lockpick kit slash business card super super cool uh it, this is like one of those like achievement unlocks to kind of to get one of those that's wicked fun uh tomorrow i will be doing the trace labs osint ctf with um simply cyber folks special thanks to base case for uh leading that effort and getting that team together right after saturday um 3 30 p.m local time we'll have a simply cyber meetup at beer park right next to paris so definitely love that and the final thing uh, I ran into David Spark, the guy who like runs the, the Cisco series podcast and everything. Uh, and I talked to him about that weekly roll up email thing. And if he had any issues with that, cause I have some ideas on how we can make that like really cool. And he was like, high five, like totally cool. Jerry, love what you're doing. Keep, keep going, keep rocking. So that's awesome. Hey, Jessica probes. Good to see you. Cybersecurity central. Kimberly, it's good to see you. Hey, Nathan, Nora. Very cool. Very cool. Eli Whew, guys. Oh, uh, what um, Justin Gold noted it yesterday. I've been picking up some merch for my boys, right? Two Funko Pops that I got from a claw machine. And guys, Tamagotchi, like legit Tamagotchi. It's uh, <laughs> it's too funny. Uh, some of the merch ideas that they got out here. All right, let me get another, uh, let me get a sip of my coffee and then we will get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. 
Hey, Will Reed, thanks so much for the kind words. Smash that like button, definitely. Uh, I'm excited. Hey, Navina, good to see you. Good to see you, not only IT. Let me get one more sip, and then we're going to dig in here, guys. Mm. All right. All right, cool. All right, so let's get into the news. You guys, obviously, because of my, <laughs> because of the way I have to run the show today, you're going to get to see how the sausage is made, everybody. Okay, so let's get into the news. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. Let me know if you can hear it. It's Friday, August 12, 2022. Hold on. You guys, can you just confirm you can hear the podcast, please? Thumbs up or sounds good, Jerry. Anything like that. Like, I, I played it and then I paused it. So hopefully... Okay, cool. Thank you, Shane. Thanks, Tom Bishop. Here we go. Cisco admits corporate network compromised by gang with links to lapsus. Cisco disclosed this fact on Wednesday, stating that an employee's personal Google account had been compromised. The disclosure of the months-old incident also happened to occur after a list of files accessed during the incident appeared on the dark web. Their security incident response team and Cisco Talus specified the data exfiltration was from an account with cloud storage locker box that was associated with a compromised employee's account. The ransomware gang Yan Luang has claimed responsibility for this leak. Okay, so this isn't good. Um, Cisco, <laughs> Cisco corporate gets popped. Uh, sounds like an individual account. So again human human endpoint guys like one one thing that you need to learn or at least you know if you've been in the industry you know this but just this is a fact like we as practitioners need to be vigilant like i don't want to say you can never let your guard down but like it just takes one user to get compromised to, to lead to like a kind of a massive data breach right justin gold dropped us in chat yesterday i didn't have a chance to really digest it at the time but I think it was like 2.8 gigabytes of data. I don't know what the data is. Uh, I didn't say it in the story here. I don't know what the like what the end goal is. So with, with this with this group that got this data, it could happen a couple ways, right? They could have targeted Cisco, targeted this individual, targeted that data as a um, a goal, as an objective, or they may have you know basically got this one and not realized what they had and just went in and smashed and grabbed and just grabbed up whatever they could, um, knowing that Cisco would likely discover and, and close, um, close the, not the vulnerability, but like basically like uh, remove access. Um, so they were kind of just smashing and grabbing. I don't know. What I do find interesting is, I do find it interesting that this is months old. Typically, I mean, obviously you have to do an investigation to discover like, okay, like what's the extent of this? Are they still in our network? Have we cleaned up the incident and everything like that? Um, and then report on it, right? But I wonder if they were waiting to report on it until after Black Hat, given how important Black Hat is, right? Cisco Talos had a giant booth here, right? A lot of people had giant booths, but like Cisco Talos had a giant booth here. It's not good PR to be like, hey, we're a security firm or we do security services, and oh, by the way, like we're in the news for a major hack. Um, so, but instead, it, like, it came out while they're at Black Hat. So I don't, I don't know if that was like a mistake, intentional. Either way, um, this story is interesting. I'm sure it will develop 
Um, but the weird thing is like, we don't know what kind of data was taken, or at least I don't. And I don't know, um, what the gang's goal is with it. Right. You know, it says tied to lapsus, right? If you guys remember lapsus was the, the group that was like, definitely felt like a young group. They were operating out of Brazil. Um, the mastermind got arrested. He was in London. Um, they were kind of like, um, like a, a, a meteor burning up quickly in the atmosphere because they came, they came like with full force and then got blown up like right away. So uh, I, I see Wayne Shaw talking about potential supply chain attack. Yeah, potentially. Again, I don't know what kind of data got compromised, so it's hard to tell. Uh, but it put, I'll tell you what, um, Cisco's like no slouch, right? They're, they're like a major, major player uh, in the space. But because they are so big, who knows? It could have been like the Talos group. It could have been duo like it like who knows it could have not been even related to their security product line it could have been their networking line right i don't know but it's not good i guess that's the key <laughs> that's the tldr cisa should split from dhs says chris krebs the former cisa director called for significant adjustments to the u.s government's approach to cybersecurity on wednesday during a keynote address at the black hat conference in las vegas Krebs proposed the creation of a U.S. digital agency, which would incorporate elements of CISA, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, the National Telecommunications and Information Administration, the Department of Energy, as well as parts of the Federal Trade Commission and the Federal Communications Commission. The goal, he says, is to add privacy, trust, and safety issues to the existing security priorities. Okay, so that's really interesting. Um, this was um, one of the cool things about Black Hat. They have multiple keynotes. I, I didn't see this keynote, um, but Chris Krebs is, he's the former um, CISA director. Like, So I, I'm almost positive it's, he's Jen Easterly, who's now the director at CISA. I think her predecessor was Chris. Chris has been around a while. Chris is a, um, he is doing a great job. He was there under the, um, the, the Trump administration. And then he got either let go or he quit. I can't, I can't remember exactly how it, how it ended, but um, that aside, he, okay. So he was in charge of CISA. So he is completely uh, informed on whether or not this would be a good idea. I'd really have to think about whether or not having a digital agency would be right. Cause I mean, essentially what he's saying is he's saying that there is no existing agency under the federal government that is appropriate for i guess this new paradigm this new this new world that is um the metaverse cybersecurity, et cetera et cetera um which i guess i could see I, i'd really have to think about this one honestly because the only reason to create a new a new agency would be if the current model does not serve its purpose. The the only reason I could see doing it, or like my initial thoughts, is that if if every agency that exists currently has some element of cyber uh, to it, you you have difficulty with coordination, with logistics, um, with having a unified face. Um, so I could see that, but just having an agency for the sake of, of rounding up all those things. I, I don't know, guys. The thing is, like, when you get to this level of government, it gets wicked political. And if you were to create a digital agency, that means whoever's in charge of it would be in charge of, like, that cyber realm, super powerful position. But then all of the other agencies that have some aspect of accountability and ownership of 
um, the, the cyberspace, if you will, uh, would be giving up that power, right? And now it turns into like a Game of Thrones situation. So I, I like the idea. I mean, I definitely think we just saw on Monday that the Department of State now has an ambassador to cyber, right? So this is definitely not like this isn't um, outlandish or, or crazy, you know, uh, I, I'll be interested I, on people's thoughts on this. This one I, I'm like reluctant to comment on because I'd really have to think about it um, to appreciate it. Ransomware data theft epidemic fueling business email compromise attacks. A surge in corporate data stolen by ransomware gangs is inundating the cybercrime underground with exactly the sort of information fraudsters need to launch convincing business email compromise attacks. This according to Accenture. Between July 2021 and July 2022, Accenture's cyber threat intelligence team claimed in a new report to have observed over 4,000 corporate and government victims with data posted to leak sites representing the 20 most active cybercrime groups. Such information, of course, can be used to good effect to help the early social engineering and reconnaissance stages of a BEC attack, which Accenture claims is the most important and traditionally the most difficult part of the campaign. Okay, so check this out. This is this is 100% right. Um, I didn't know Accenture had a cyber threat intelligence team. I'm not surprised, uh, honestly. If you guys know, so Accenture is like one of the, it's not a big four consulting firm. Uh, in the true sense of what the big four is, but after Sarbanes-Oxley and the whole um, accounting thing in like the mid 2000s or the early 2000s, a lot of the big four accounting firms or a lot of the big firms in DC like split off, right? So KPMG created Bearing Point, and I want to say Deloitte Deloitte had one. I forget what Accenture came from, but anyways, it doesn't matter. Okay, so anyways, like this is a well-funded big A group. And Accenture has a cyber threat thing. Now, as far as ransomware data theft leading to BEC attacks, this isn't surprising whatsoever, guys. Th here's the deal. Ransomware is the front and center, uh, you know, darling of a cyber crime because everybody knows about it. We talk about it all the time. It has huge catastrophic impacts for organizations because it stops them in their tracks. Big splashy headlines. Business email compromise. It, it's like a close second. I talk about it all the time, guys. Like It doesn't get reported as much, but the amount of financial damage business email compromise does in mass is, is close. It's in the billions of dollars, okay? So billions of dollars, all right? So it does not surprise me whatsoever that research is coming out that quantify or qualifies the fact that data pulled uh, from ransomware, like guys, that ransomware is double extortion, right? So just just so we're all on the same page, ransomware, yeah, I encrypt your data and I say give me a million bucks or um, for the keys. But threat actors, uh, famously, Wizard Spider, really kind of like I don't want to say they pioneered it, but they made it like cool. Um, do the double extortion where they'll they'll pull all your data down first, then they encrypt everything. And the idea is, if you're not going to pay the ransom they still can make money because they'll sell your data. They have some asset. They they are going to get paid for their quote-unquote hard work. Um, all this data, um, obviously, it can be weaponized for business email compromise. And honestly, why wouldn't they, right? Like, I hate to say that uh, to, like, laud threat actors, but, like, why wouldn't they? You've already, I say this all the time, you've already committed the crime. Just from a pure business perspective, why would you not maximize your investment? right? 
whether you're doing crime or you're doing, you know, good work, everybody's trying to increase their, um, their return on their investment. So if you can ransomware and then do business email compromise, you know, what really sucks is what really sucks is the victim organizations who get punched in the mouth with ransomware and whether they pay it or not, they're still losing operation, you know, operational downtime. Maybe they pay the ransom. Cyber insurance is getting cashed in. Like it's a tough day, right? The CISO has got a tough day. And then on top of that, like a, a month later, the CFO um, gets punched in the mouth with, uh, you know, $200,000 leaving the organization. So not good. All I would say here is definitely ransomware and business email compromise should absolutely be in your threat model, absolutely be in your threat model. And you should be educating your staff in general, but really the CFO and the finance and accounting team on business email compromise. That's one of those topics that's like, you should be have, you should, you should get time on the CFO's like weekly or monthly team meeting and speak to them about this. Also, you should make sure you should talk to the CFO about this, but you really should have checks and balances in place before money goes out the door. And then another difficult thing is having um, having leadership, and this one's going to take a little political capital, but like having leadership agree that they're that the workflows and the SOP for money going out the door is never to be, um, um, not compromised, but like there's no exceptions, right? So the whole idea here is that the, C, the, this, the quote unquote CEO says that they can't talk to you right now, but it's absolutely pertinent that money goes out the door, right? That's the, that's the, the base of the business email compromise attack. So if you can get the CEO to agree, but listen, even if I'm begging you, that is not the process. It needs to get this approval, this approval, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, unless I like physically come to you in person, you know, you can prevent you can prevent business email compromise attacks. Also, I want to say what's up. I saw in chat, uh, James McQuiggan um, said what's up. Uh, good to see James is here. Uh, I actually had dinner with James last night. Um, really cool guy. I, I'm going to uh, bring him on as a guest uh, probably in like October to uh, Simply Cyber and introduce you guys to him. He's a really cool guy, really fun. He actually told me like, um, I know it's Friday and Grayson usually has a joke of the day. Uh, James told me a joke yesterday that is so funny, uh, but it's completely inappropriate. <laughs> it's completely inappropriate for um, the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. So uh, I'll tell you guys at the, uh, at the Beer Park meetup. Critical vulnerabilities found in Device 42 Asset Management Platform. This warning comes from Bitdefender, which has found multiple critical vulnerabilities, including bugs that could be exploited to execute arbitrary code. The Device 42 platform helps administrators track applications, devices, and hardware, providing them with the ability to manage data center assets, passwords, and services, as well as with device discovery and asset tagging features. Bitdefender said, quote, an attacker could impersonate other users, obtain admin level access in the application by leaking sessions with an LFI, or obtain full access to the appliance files and database through remote code execution. All right. So that's interesting. Um, two, two things about this uh, story. So Device42 Asset Management Platform. I'm not familiar with Device42, but I do find it funny that this this second paragraph basically reads like marketing copy, right? <laughs> like this is the straight, like this is a mark marketing right here. But um, 
asset management uh, compromise. They do say that it can be ex uh, exploited to execute arbitrary code. So, th th you know, even though this seems like a nothing story, there's actually a lot to this one. So a couple things. One, if you are running this, um, well, first and foremost, if you're running asset 42 in your environment, you definitely need to get this fixed, right? Definitely need to get this fixed. That's first and foremost. In fact, you should pause the podcast and go <laughs> go talk to your IT team about about maybe getting this fixed, right? Chances are device 42 has already reached out to you privately to talk to you about this. Second thing, it can be exploited to run arbitrary code, right? Which means that you can run malware, okay? So you run Emotet and then pull down, do your ransomware, do your uh, info stealing, what whatever. It doesn't matter. Arbitrary is arbitrary. You run whatever code you want. So that's that's obviously not good. One thing that they didn't say is that it is an asset management system, right? Asset management, guys, it, it typically inventories computers, networks, people, endpoints, right? Like if you have a good asset management system, it's awesome because it's kind of step one of a secure... Well, it's not really step one of a security program, but it is important. Uh, if you look at CIS 18, it is step uh, one, essentially, because the idea behind it is if you have an inventory, you have scope, you know what is in your environment, so now you can actually choose controls that are appropriate versus having no idea what's in your environment, and then you have like blind spots, etc. So in, in, a, in a CISP exam, that's the answer, but in reality, a lot of at least in my experience, cybersecurity programs, like even though asset management is wicked important, it's not step one at, at all. I don't. I know it's step one in a lot of things, but it, in practice, it's not step one. Step one is like MFA, MDR, uh, email gateway, uh, awareness training. Uh, eventually, like once you stabilize, then you start doing vulnerability management, which uh, will give you visibility, and then asset management, right? So asset management, I would argue, is closer for a um, more mature program at mid-size or larger businesses. Um, final thing is that the exploit is through local file inclusion. My brain isn't working right now to tell you what kind of attack that is. So uh, people in can chat. Uh, Josh Mason probably can probably give a, a better ex uh, example. But local file inclusion, I I'm almost positive. Like it's where you can like upload. You can upload something like a file, obviously, you can upload a file to a system uh, and then be able to call the file or access the file, but the, the file would actually execute, right? So you could upload an executable or a batch file or, or um, a macro or something like that and be able to run it on the system. That That's how you're running it, right? It's not that like you're like leet hacks or it's like you're able to put files up there and then run them. Uh, so I think that that's what that's what it is. Okay, pretty close. Good enough, right? Good enough for business. I, I don't pretend to be a red team. <laughs> if you guys watch me on Threat Gen Red versus Blue, you know that my red skills are, um, uh, they're pedestrian at best. All right, let's listen to the uh, the read through. Thanks to this week's episode sponsor, Edge Scan. EdgeScan simplifies vulnerability management by delivering a single full-stack SaaS solution integrated with world-class security professionals. Instead of managing a plethora of point-scanning tools for each layer of the attack surface and squandering precious staff resources manually removing false positives, EdgeScan offers automated and accurate contextualized alerts across the entire attack surface into a single source of truth. 
For more information, visit EdgeScan, that's E-D-G-E-S-C-A-N.com. All right, single pane of glass. Very nice. Okay, so um, just real quick before we get uh, back into the stories, I want to say two things. One, um, you know, this is the mid-roll where I thank you. Guys, thank you. Um, I, I really, it was really important to me to run the daily cyber threat briefing while I was out here. Sometimes when I go on like family vacation and stuff, <clears throat> um, someone else will help me. Eric Taylor, Jack Scott, Josh Mason will run the show. But it was it was important to me. I'm I'm on a work trip, and delivering this threat briefing to me is is something that I do um, if I can. And you know, it's uh, like I, we joke that it's like sixty five percent capacity because the camera, the audio, um, you know, these curtains, jeez. <laughs> But um, I just want to thank all of you for for coming correct and, and, and you know, supporting supporting the channel. And, and you know, just thank you. I, like this was uh, quite an experience uh, for me. Also, I want to share with you guys, uh, Eric Capuano from Recon Infosec. I bumped into him yesterday. They are running. Um, uh, so OpenSock is like a big time blue team village CTF that they run every year. They're not running it this year. But I did bump into Eric and he said, hey, listen. Um, we're doing a differ challenge. It's like an offline packet uh, analysis CTF. I don't know what the prizes are. I don't know anything, but the scoreboard opens at 10 a.m. local time. So that would be, um, it's already open if you're in the East Coast, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it, no, no, no. Oh my God, time travel. Um, so it opens in an hour and a half. So if you're interested in doing um, a CTF, this is all remote, so you can participate if you're not physically in Vegas right now. So this is very, very cool. I did uh, like tweet it out or, or retweet it. Um, so whatever. If you want this and, and you don't know how to get to it, DM me on Discord and I will... In fact, I'm going to just push this on Discord after I get off the stream. Uh, and it's cool, right? So like OpenSock, um, this is what it looks like. They've got the start time, end time, and the rules and stuff like that. Um, there's a discord for, for their team. Basically, if you're looking to get a little bit of a taste of the, um, of DEF CON and CTFs and have a good time, they put on a great CTF they have for years. Um, I, I, I like Eric quite a bit. I like recon infosec. Um, so check out the CTF. If you guys want to play along, if you got kind of a slow day at work, um, maybe even work together, right? Team up in, in discord and, just kind of chew on it a little bit. Um, I actually have kind of a light day, so I'm actually going to open it up and take a look. Maybe just score some points and say what's up. So anyways, thank you to uh, to Recon InfoSec and the OpenSock team. I know that they work really hard uh, on those CTFs. So a great, great community members. FCC cancels $886 million in funding for Starlink. <clears throat> the funding was intended for Starlink to expand access in rural areas. The cancellation is based on the system's cost as well as doubts over its predicted download speeds. Long-form funding applications submitted by SpaceX and an ISP called LTD Broadband failed to demonstrate that the providers could deliver the promised service, the FCC said in a statement. In addition to speed issues, the FCC highlighted the cost of the Starlink dish at $599 and the monthly subscription to be charged to consumers at $110 a month. GitHub depend. Okay, so, <laughs> so I didn't know 
that the FCC uh, had awarded Starlink, $886 million in funding, uh, and now they're pulling it. A couple interesting things. Uh, one, it's probably true that um, that the, that you know they weren't sure about the download speeds and the cost and everything like this. But guys, I won't spend a ton of time on this one. Thirty seconds. This thing right here smacks smacks of like politics. Okay, why did they award? Why did they award him a billion dollars almost in the first place? Like if 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 the point if the if the problem is that they're not sure about download speeds and the six hundred dollar dish and all this stuff, like that would have been all lined up in the proposal, right? So to me, it's either like it was a you know, pat on the back, hey Elon, no problem, thanks for the contributions when they initially awarded it, or uh, like you didn't, you didn't support me. We're going to pull this, this thing right here, right? I have no insider information. This is pure speculation. But my thing is, it's, it's not like, it's not like the dishes like tripled in price because of inflation. It's not like the download speeds are getting congested because they're operating on the showroom floor at Black Hat, which by the way, has horrible internet service. Um, th- this thing just smacks of big money, politics and shenanigans so but the long story short if you were hoping for starlink in your rural area um it's not you know i don't know what's what's happening what's coming with that uh but obviously starlink's around and you might have to you know do it yourself i guess i don't know but this thing just smacks of (laughs) insider the bot now alerts developers on vulnerable github actions Microsoft-owned GitHub has announced that it will now start sending Dependabot alerts for vulnerable GitHub actions to help developers fix security issues in CI/CD workflows. GitHub Actions is a CI/CD solution that enables users to automate the software, build, test, and deployment pipeline. Dependabot is part of GitHub's continued efforts to secure the software supply chain by notifying users that their source code depends on a package with a security vulnerability and helping keep all the dependencies up to date. Okay, so this this is awesome. Okay, guys, this is awesome. Let me see you guys in chat. Okay, so check it out. This is really, really cool. So um, Microsoft owns GitHub. Okay, Microsoft has gone not above and beyond, but Microsoft has done really great work in the last five years of making security a priority, right? We look at um, up in Azure, they have like Sentinel and obviously part of their product offering that you can pay for. But like Microsoft Defender is a great endpoint uh, EDR tool. The Office uh, Exchange Online Protection, like basically Exchange in, in the O365 instance, is really good at filtering out, you know, phishing attacks and stuff like that. Like they are making good product. I'm loving, 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 loving that they bought GitHub and they are making an effort to help developers. I don't want to say write secure code, but make sure that they don't accidentally do something that could lead to vulnerabilities. And this is cool, right? If we look at log4j back in December of 21, um, or geez, yeah, December of 21, um, that was an open source program. Um, the internet melted down for a few weeks. I, I didn't really hear of any major attack, but the point is, um, you know, open source software 
is being used all the time. And unfortunately, you don't you might not even know that it's actually in your code because you know some some small uh, supplier vendor writes a piece of code and uses open source software and then that gets picked up and baked into something then that gets picked up and baked into something so you could have vulnerable code in your system and not even know it but if you're catching it when code commits are happening then you're basically baking insecurity instead of bolting it on which is like an old cliche in our industry but it's super true so I'm loving this. And by the way, the fact that it's a bot, that means it's like automated. You don't have a human uh, doing it. It's consistent. You can tune the bot to be better. Um, the The only thing is um, it's it's tied into uh, DevOps, right? CI, CD, continuous integration, continuous deployment, um, which is fine. That's the way the code works nowadays. Um, but just, just be mindful. It's not like if you're writing code and you've got like your own GitHub repo and you're doing fun stuff that you're going to get some kind of pop-up that says like, Hey, you're trying to, you know, do something that's stupid. Um, you know, this is, this is baked into DevOps workflows. Although, um, you may want to check this. I feel like Microsoft through GitHub actually did publish something recently that like, if you, if you try to like commit code to GitHub and it has like API keys in it or something like that, it'll give you a warning. So there is some for that, but the, the TLDR is if you work in a business that has DevOps, tell them about this Dependabot. I don't know if it's something you have to like toggle on or, you know, include into your build cycles, but this is a cool service. It doesn't sound like it costs anything. It sounds like Microsoft is continuing to be a champion um, of better security for everyone. Um, so way to go, Microsoft. National Health Service IT supplier held to ransom by hackers. A cyber attack on Advanced, a company that provides digital services including patient check-in and a non-emergency medical helpline for England's National Health Service, NHS, says it may take three to four weeks to fully recover from what has been confirmed as a ransomware attack. The NHS insists that disruption is minimal, but Advanced would not say whether NHS data had been stolen and also refuses to say if it was in negotiations with hackers or already paying a ransom to them. Oh, this this sucks. This sucks. NHS, the National Health, Health System of uh, either England or the UK, um, they got punched in the mouth pretty hard in 2017 when WannaCry hit. They got brought down... They've, they've been the victim of multiple attacks over the years. Um, this is not NHS specifically, but one of their suppliers that provides services, right? One, like, I guess, patient check-in and some other stuff. Um, two things with this story to be mindful of. One, supply chain, right? If you're depending on third parties, which many of us do, if you're relying on third parties to provide mission-critical services to your business, Make sure that you're doing, you know, I guess third-party risk management, right? To use a to use an ugly word in our industry, third-party risk management assess. But but in real practice, y you should have some. Make sure that you have like either offline procedures that can facilitate um, whatever the mission critical services are in case they go down. So in this case, patient check-in, right? If if only this is the only system that can do patient check-in, then obviously NHS is screwed um, until this thing gets remedied because they can't take patients, right? But 
if there is a, another system or uh, like a paper practice, you know, paper document, patient check-ins and stuff like that, then cool. Good on you. Um, I will say I worked at an academic medical center for close to six years and they, I don't want to say regularly, but they regularly, um, that's such a subjective term, but they regularly would practice like operational downtime. Um, but what's interesting is when operational down, and this won't surprise anyone, but it's interesting when operational downtime would happen because, you know, a ransomware attack of a third party provider, the older people, the people with experience who have been delivering healthcare prior to like ERM systems or, um, like enterprise, not ERM, um, help like help. Um, oh my God. Guys, it's too early. Like basically, the patient medical records, like the 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 epics, the um the the big digital systems, if they were there before that stuff got implemented, like they've been practicing for twenty years, they knew operational downtime procedures perfectly. A twenty-five year old physician, a twenty-seven year old nurse, like they came up on technology. They they never really knew how to do operational downtime procedures. So, the key takeaway for this story is. If you are a practitioner, you should definitely be talking to the business. This is a GRC job, by the way. You should be talking to the business about, hey, what are mission critical processes? What can we not deal with being down for long periods of time, right? This is You would do this formally through a business impact um, assessment, but you could just talk to the business. What do we need? And then what are we doing for contingency planning of those procedures if they were going down. And you can use this story, I'm pointing to a story that isn't there right now. You can use this NHS story as an example. Like, listen, dude, they can't do patient check-in right now. How would we do that here? This is this is great fodder for a tabletop exercise, right? Good way to bring the business in for tabletop exercises and really good for resiliency. You guys, you know I want the shirt to say, I work in cyber resiliency, not cybersecurity. But this is a great example of ensuring cyber resiliency. Guys, it's not about, it's like as much as I want it to be about us, it's not about us. It's not about stopping bad things from happening. It's about ensuring that the business can persist even in the face of compromise. All right. Um, just like Simply Cyber's daily cyber threat briefing, <laughs> right? You could think of it as like my studio was hit by a ransomware attack. And right now I am in contingency mode with this studio, this layout and stuff like this, this single monitor. Um, there are, you know, uh, correlations here. Okay, let's keep rolling. Sierra Leone internet cut amid anti-government protests. The West African nation of Sierra Leone experienced a near-total internet blackout on Wednesday in the midst of anti-government protests sparked by the rising cost of living. Internet governance watchdog NetBlocks found that, beginning at noon local time, national connectivity fell to about 5% of normal level, with multiple mobile and fixed-line internet operators going dark. NetBlock's director of research said connectivity was largely restored after approximately two hours, but service remains somewhat impacted. The disruption affected providers routed through Sierra Leone cable, which controls the country's internet gateway. Okay, a couple things, not to make light of this, but did anyone else see this story and immediately be like, thinking of Kanye West's song, like Diamonds Are Forever, right? Like, 
forever, ever, forever. I mean, it's not right. Like Sierra Leone got screwed on this. Plus, they have all the blood diamond issues uh, back in the day. Uh, but I was thinking of <laughs> Yeezy uh, as soon as I saw this. So, okay. So what's the story here? Okay, so check it out. Sierra Leone, um, they've got a, a a really rough history um, with you know just services and you know their society um and this one's not good guys just this is just an interesting story um you can't really operationalize this but for a second just for a second think about think about if like we didn't have internet right like we get all i mean not all but like i get a lot of my information i do a lot of my communication i do a lot of my business services right i pay my taxes online i check my you know car insurance policy. I do my online bill pay. Um, I, I depend on a credit card for making transactions at, you know, um, you know, whatever, like firehouse subs. Um, anyways, like if all that was down, what the heck you'd be, you'd be screwed. 5% internet connectivity. Um, that's insane. Uh, I don't know what's going on with their, with their government right now and why there's protests happening. It doesn't sound good, but I will tell you, communication infrastructure, if you were going to uh, get into a conflict with another group, you know, at the nation state level, taking out their communications would be a priority. Uh, because if you can't communicate, you can't coordinate and you're kind of, you're kind of like hamstrung at that point. So not really good. And I'll tell you what, um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, um, for me personally, Internet, solid, strong, high bandwidth internet is like, it's like a, it's like blood to me. It's lifeblood. Like I, 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 just thinking about operating without internet is like giving me chills. Uh, so, um, anyways, careful with that. All right. Hold on, hold on. Come on, guy. All right, there we go. Let's turn on some music. There it is. All right, guys. So that is. That is your daily cyber threat briefing. The sun has risen here in Vegas. Uh, we did it. Uh, I'm going to hang on for a few minutes, but I, again, I want to thank everybody who came out the last couple days uh, for the daily cyber threat briefing. I'm super excited. I will be, um, for those who are interested, I'm going to tell you about this right now, but this is something that I would love community feedback on, okay? Um, I am... I have suggested, and many of you in chat know this about this. Um, yep, I'll see you over at DEF CON, James. Uh, we'll sync up. I got to get my badge. Oh, okay, so let's talk about DEF CON for a second. I went to get my badge yesterday, and you know, because of the internet, I actually looked on Reddit, and people were posting pictures of the line for the badge, and I was like, oh, hell no. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to that. Um, it was bananas. Even with pre-order, even with people who... Uh, went to Black Hat, able to pick up their badges in advance. Uh, it was like, I'm not going into that line. So I'll go over there later today. I'm actually doing a podcast interview with Stefan Semmelroth at 10 a.m. And then right after that, I'm going to walk over to um, to DEF CON and get my badge. The badge this year, they always have cool badges. The badge this year is like a piano. Um, it's, it is it is an electronic badge. It does play tones. Uh, so bass case, um, I'm definitely thinking with your musical uh, and cyber talents that you're going to dig into that. I look forward to to that. Um, 
Remember, we have the meetup at Beer Park tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. local time. So if you're interested, come on out for that. I'll be here through Sunday. Um, So I'm wearing a Lima Charlie shirt today. So if you see me, high five. uh, And let's let's say what's up. I, I do. Okay, so real quick. I've been thinking about this initiative. I told you guys about it on Monday. I got some feedback. I'm going to do it. Um, I might just fire it out and, and request feedback. Um, I want to pick what I think is the most important story from each day uh, you know, of the week, right? So like this week, the this week, probably I'd have to think about it, right? But the Cisco story was pretty good, um, pretty important. Um, also... The, um, the the Chris Krebs one is interesting, but it's not really like, it's just like him talking about an idea. So I'd have to think about it. But anyways, one story, you know, a sentence, like, so the title, a sentence, five bullet points, um, and it would be an email with, oh yeah, by the way, so it'd be the headline, a quick bullet on what that story is, why you need to know, why I think it's the most important one, and uh, a link to the daily cyber threat briefing for that day specifically time marked to where that story played and where I gave my thoughts and analysis on that story um, and it would come into your inbox Monday morning and and the, my idea here is that you would you'd be able to like basically hit the ground running on Monday because you you hung out you did barbecues you you, you played all weekend and now you got to get back in like like let's let's deliver cyber excellence mindset uh, and yeah, we'll do the Monday threat briefing, but that's for that day. The idea is that this email would just refresh your memory. It, it would be like less than a two-minute read, and it would give you like what you need to kind of get that momentum going, get that flywheel going, and be able to just start kicking it, kicking butt like instantly. That's my idea. If you if you have um, any interest in that, let me know, um, or any feedback on how to make it better. Okay, it's it's something that I'm doing as a service because I think it'll deliver value to you guys to be able to kick ass. Um, Mike B, Mike B, I just saw as you dropped through here about the interviews. Congratulations. I hope, I hope, you know, the final steps work out for you. Best wishes on that particular round of interviews. Almost want to say this to you, Mike B. I hope that they're meeting your expectations as an organization and that, you know, you're interviewing them as well to make sure that they're a good fit and that they deserve you um, at their organization. Cool, Bill Green. Thank you. Guys, it's like everything else. Uh, I'm going to do it, and it'll probably be rough and have sharp edges um, at first, and then we'll, we'll whittle it down. We'll refine it. We'll make it, we'll make it valuable for the community, and then we'll just start firing it off. Love it, Nick Barker. Hey, Michael Starn. I'm not sure who you want to email you, but uh, if you, if you, okay, so hey, if you want this email, if you want what I'm talking about right now, I I should definitely tell you this. I haven't set up like a a way to do this, but if you go to simplycyber.io, which is my website, uh, it says start learning today. I'll probably change this to say like, you know, get, get uh, whatever. I don't know, like a weekly news email or something. I don't know. Guys, I'm not a marketing person. I'm not like a business person. I'm just a cyber person. So I'll change this. But basically, go to simplycyber.io and put in your name and email address here and hit subscribe. And that's 
that's how you'll get the get on this list for this this weekly email that I'm talking about. Okay, and and um, it to get feedback, go to uh, the Discord server. Which if you hit exclamation point Discord, um, in chat right now, it'll it'll pop up. Yeah, Josh, we can talk for sure. Yeah, it's like a newsletter, Usha. Oh, thank you very much. So James McQuiggan coming in with the joke of the day. <laughs> I love it. Why won't Superman help us fight cybercrime? Because he's afraid of cryptocurrency. Very nice. Very nice, James. Uh, so James, just so you know, my, my son Grayson typically delivers a joke of the week on Fridays, but because he's not in Vegas, um, I appreciate you subbing in for him and making sure that we get that joke of the week. All right, guys. I want to thank everybody for being here, coming correct all week. Uh, we've had a great time in Vegas. A lot of, lot of great um, connections being made. James, uh, just as one example of somebody I met on this trip that I look forward to introducing you all to on um, on stream at some point here. I got to get back and, and figure out what we're doing. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the Trace Labs OSINT CTF with Base and, and the team on Saturday. And then obviously, the again, the meetup at Beer Park, 3.30 p.m. East, uh, local time. Um, it's right next to Paris, okay? If you're interested, check out that Differ Open Sock Challenge. It's an offline one, which means that you can be in the UK. You can be in the upstate. You can be in Miami, Kimberly. And you can knock out uh, and, and participate in this challenge. In fact... I might even put, pour a cup of coffee and actually, like I said, sign up for this and take a look, right? It'd be kind of fun. Plus, I, I like Eric Capuano and, and what Recon Infosec's doing. Guys, that's going to do it for me. Thank you so much. Thank you to the Funko Pops for being my backup dancers. You guys did good. Seriously, good work back there. Everybody, be good. We'll see you on Monday morning, 8 a.m., for the threat briefing. What is today's date? Um, yeah, that's perfect. I don't start teaching until the 25th, which is going to impact the schedule. So starting the 25th, the threat briefing on Tuesday and Thursdays will be at 10 a.m. But I will tell you all about that and remind you next week as we lead into uh, the Citadel semester, okay? Everybody be good. Have a great weekend. Thank you for your time. Take care, everybody.